the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with you, as always. And in today's show, we'll be reacting to week one of the fantasy season at last. We got week one reactions on today's show, also talking some news, and then I'll give you guys some waiver wire targets to think about for week two. And as always, we're here, it's week one, and everything has been thrown upside down. I've been looking forward to doing this show for so long, and there are just so many storylines so much unpredictability, so much craziness in the NFL in week one that no one could have possibly imagined. It is unbelievable that football is finally back. And I'm glad you're here today on the show. If you're a first-time listener, welcome in. These next 17 weeks, I'll be doing episodes just like this, where I react to week one, give or react to the week and give waiver wire picks, talk about news, And then on Thursdays, the episode releasing will have big questions, start or sit, booms and busts, sometimes some trade talk where we do buy lows and sell highs. And that's just pretty much going to be the format. Uh, Episode 91, thank you guys for tuning in. We're closing in on episode 100. I'm hoping to do something special for that. Have something maybe in mind that I've been thinking about. So stay tuned and that's going to be in just a few weeks. So that's pretty incredible that we're already almost there. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be talking about all that stuff. I'm recording this episode on Monday. It is currently 5.53 p.m. Eastern time. So this is before the Monday night football game. So unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to talk about Monday night football on this show. Um, but if you have questions about Monday night football or anything that I don't talk about on the podcast, because let's face it, I mean, I do two shows a week and I'm not, I'm going to be covering a lot, but not always going to be able to discuss every single thing. So if you... If I missed something or if you think I missed something or if you want to know something specific that I didn't talk about on the show, go send a question to Twitter. You can tag the podcast at SGF pod. That's mainly our update account. So, I mean, you can also I'll respond there. But if you want to tag me at Calvin underscore SGF, that is my uh, personal Twitter handle. So go check that out. I mean, you can if you have questions, just tag me, start, sit, drop, add all of those. And go check out Second Goal Sports Talk on YouTube. I'll be doing more broadcasts there. Unfortunately, didn't get a chance to broadcast an NFL game this week, but did a college game the week before. And I'm hoping to do an NFL game at some point soon. So that should be exciting. So send questions to Twitter uh, at Calvin underscore SGF. And you can, um, yeah, about Monday Night Football, about whatever. And yeah, this is recorded on Monday before the game. So very exciting. I'm very excited to get into it. I've been in a good mood for a while lately and then football coming back is just just the icing on the cake and also just so so amazing to finally have nfl back in my life again it's i mean i sitting around on sundays i feel like so useless but it's just great all so much football so much to take in and it's been crazy because i'm a part of three leagues this year and i'm just like it's an absolute barrage of info about all three of my leagues So let's get into some news. Oh, yeah. And by the way, uh, it looks like I'm going to go two and one in my leagues this week. Lost in redraft, which is unfortunate. Uh, My team was all right, but just didn't didn't get the boom games that I needed. And uh, some guys were just kind of mediocre for me. Uh, Just didn't really get like a breakout player in my dynasty league. It looks like I've got the win just about wrapped up. I had Debo Samuel in that one. So you can imagine um, how well I ended up doing. I ended up, I mean, I'll talk about Deandre Swift in a moment, uh, who I ended up benching and I'll, we'll be discussing that later. I guess I'll discuss that in the news segment, but I started Jamal Williams over him and, uh, it ended up actually okay because Williams did well as well. 
I also had TJ Hawkinson in that league, pretty solid there and Dak Prescott. So solid, even though Aaron Jones went, was horrible. Um, I was still able to win dynasty. And then in the Scott fishbowl, my first ever Scott fishbowl matchup got a win. Um, Mark, Darren Waller is going to have to outscore Mark Andrews and Justin Tucker by 29 for me to win. So I'm going to take that even though Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt for me and I benched DeAndre Swift. So yeah, I think, uh, overall, a lot of interesting stuff. Um, and yeah, so I'm going to go two and one in my leagues this week. That's pretty solid. I was hoping for three and oh, but I'll take two and one. Let's talk news. Raheem Mostert is going to be out approximately eight weeks with chipped cartilage in his knee. Raheem Mostert, just one of my favorite players to follow in fantasy and in the NFL that isn't on my favorite team, but he's just struggling to stay healthy and it's sad to see because he's so explosive and incredibly fast when he's on the field but he's out approximately eight weeks so obviously reactions to this it was interesting to see that trey sermon was a healthy scratch um in this game in week one so it seemed to be elijah mitchell's backfield if i'm remembering correctly i think elijah mitchell had a top 10 performance on the week Uh, i'll go double check that uh, yes, he did. He would finish number 10 and half PPR. So he might be the guy to go get, I'll talk about him in waiver wire a little bit later, but Elijah Mitchell for now is going to have an opportunity to take over this backfield with Wayne Goldman gone with Tevin or not Tevin Coleman with Jeff Wilson injured for a while. He will have a chance to be the RB one here. And I think he'll take it over Trey Sermon, at least for the short term. So Sermon's still worth an ad, but I mean, Elijah Mitchell's probably more widely available. Very interesting to see him break out. Obviously, like I mentioned, um, the DeAndre Swift news, I think you probably already know about this, but basically he was slated to be a full go like about three days before game time. Then about 10 minutes before kickoff, it came out that while he is active, Jamal Williams will start and quote, carry the load. So that that felt like a Keenan Allen don't sit me situation. I mean, obviously it's different because that's Keenan Allen advocating for himself. That felt like a uh, an active in name only, as they say. I don't know who says that, but inactive in name only uh, for DeAndre Swift. And it was uh, trying to remember there was something like that that happened last year where, I mean, there have, I guess that's sort of the same as Keaton and Allen being active and then having one catch and sitting for the rest of the game, but that tends to happen. So I went in full tilt mode and sat DeAndre Swift in both of the leagues where I had him. And then he actually ended up doing well and finished as a top five running back. So very interesting. And also Jamal Williams also finishes up by running back, but I didn't have the luxury of having Williams and SFB. I had to bench Swift for a kicker, which I'm mad about. But anyway, that's the news. You probably already heard it. Next piece of news, Jerry Judy out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Unfortunate for Judy. He was slated to have a good season with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm and upgrade at quarterback for sure. This is going to help out Noah Fant. Terry Judy is definitely that guy who will take a lot of targets. He's a great route runner. He can get open and he got in the 110s and targets last year. This is going to help Noah Fant get open in the underneath game, get Teddy Bridgewater's trust. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater isn't the biggest throw to the tight end guy. I mean, he didn't really have a tight end in Carolina last year. Um, and then in, for the Saints, he doesn't really throw to the tight end, especially, but like Noah Fant is one of the better tight ends he's played with in his career. And so, he's a good player and he'll get open. So Noah Fant definitely gets an upgrade. I feel, I would feel a little more comfortable if I had him and same with Cortland Sutton. Although I don't know if this affects Sutton's value a ton. It just means the target share probably gets a bit of a bump, but this isn't going to like be a game changer for Sutton. I already thought Sutton would be good. He kind of did bust this week, but I would, I see a rebound. So maybe it does help that there's not another body in the room, but I think Sutton's still better than Jerry Judy at this moment. So I think he's going to be good. 
Last piece of news, Ryan Fitzpatrick out six to eight weeks with a dislocated hip. Um, this is bad news. Fitzpatrick went down hard on a big hit in the second quarter, and he's out six to eight weeks. So now it's Taylor Heineke time. This isn't good news for Terry McLaurin. I think this really puts Terry McLaurin – he's not as locked and loaded of a wide receiver one as we hoped he would be with Fitzpatrick out. He's now really on that fringe for me, I would say. He can still be very good, and Taylor, we shouldn't undersell Taylor Heineke, but we haven't seen Taylor Heineke yet start an NFL game. It'll be his first to this Thursday against the Giants. So he – yeah, he last year at this time he was just a free agent. He's shown some talent, very mobile, but it's going to be, he's going to have to prove it first before I trust these guys. I mean, Antonio Gibson, I don't mind, but then again, that mobility may take away some receptions for a guy like Antonio Gibson, but this doesn't really kill the offense necessarily. It's just terrible news for Ryan Fitzpatrick who finally gets like a great situation for him and then just gets hurt right away. So we'll get into reactions. I've got a ton of these here. And then I've got more waiver wires than I'll probably do usually. Just so much to talk about in week one. And I even like missed some stuff. Like I had to write down, add in Aaron Jones's bust performance. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I had forgot about talking about that he kind of was pretty, pretty bad this week until I saw Jerry Judy's name on the note sheet. So yeah, but let's get into it. We got a lot of reactions. So uh, let's get started. All right, reactions time. Let's start Thursday night football, Buccaneers and Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott struggled in this game for fantasy football, got 11 carries, didn't do much with them for just 33 yards and two catches for six yards, no touchdowns. He was denied a touchdown because of an egregious missed block by Blake Jarwin. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't think there's a reason to be concerned about Ezekiel Elliott. We know how good this Tampa Bay defensive line is with Shaq Barrett and all their guys over there. It's just they can stop people. And I think we already expected, especially with Zach Martin out due to COVID, that Zeke wouldn't have the biggest game. If he had scored a touchdown, he still would have been fine for your fantasy team. He was very close to being a semi-productive anyway. We still – and the Cow- there was no reason for the Cowboys not to just pass the ball over all over Tampa Bay because it was working. This – I there's no change – for Zeke for me. I know Tony Pollard got a few plays here and there, but Zeke was out there for a lot of snaps. He was mainly used as a pass blocker, which may be different than in future games, but Dak Prescott threw for over 400 yards. As much as we'd like it to, that's not happening every game. There's no change in Zeke's value. He's still a top five running back for me. So if you've got someone in your league who's worried, it's the beginning of the end for Zeke because he wasn't as great at the end of last year because he missed his starting quarterback and all of his offensive line, then yeah, go ahead and buy Zeke. And you should be willing to pay a lot for him. There's no change in his value at this point. One of the biggest buy lows of this week. Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith both have good rookie debut or debuts. That was, this is really, really fun for me who um, I guess, let me see when these fantasy pros rankings were last updated. September 9th, I had both Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith way ahead of uh, the consensus. I had Jamar Chase as my wide receiver 16 and Devontae Smith as the wide receiver 27. They were wide receivers 31 and 38 respectively. And I drafted them both in the Scott Fishbowl. Very happy about that. Jamar Chase, five receptions on seven targets, 101 yards and a touchdown. No drops. There was no reason to worry. This is a guy who could catch the ball in college. It was going to take a bit of a learning curve, but he has made it. He was the number five overall pick in the draft over a generational left tackle for a reason. 
Then Devontae Smith, six receptions for 71 yards and a touchdown. Very, very nice. Looked like the top option in Philly, which is awesome to see from day one. Expecting really big things from these guys. And to see them both break out in the same week, along with, for me, Antonio Brown. And then the excitement I still have for Kenny Galladay. I'm just really ready for my receiving core to absolutely go off this week. It's going to be fun. Um, or not this week, but like they're this week and in the future. So they already did go off this week, but in the future, the rest of the season, I'm ready for them to do well. Jameis Winston, 25% touchdown rate and five touchdowns in a 38 to three win for the Saints over the Packers. I don't think anyone predicted this in the entire world. Uh, Winston threw just 20 passes through for 148 yards and five touchdowns. This isn't sustainable, obviously, but I do want to give a shout out to Chris, who uh, hopefully we can get on the episode sometime soon, who predicted this, had Jameis Winston as a top 12 quarterback for the entire offseason, even before the news that he was even going to start. He knew, I mean, because Winston has always historically been a downfield passer, whether he's been with Bruce Arians or not. He has uh, struggled with interceptions, but maybe it was the LASIK uh, laser eye surgery that did it for him. Uh, He looked really sharp. And I think Jameis Winston is a guy that you need to pick up off your waiver wire if he's sitting there. So five touchdowns for Jameis. Trevor Lawrence had three touchdowns, but also three interceptions and a disappointing loss to the Texans. I'm just going to say it right now. I don't think Urban Meyer is a good coach. We've already seen so many reports of he doesn't have the trust from his players. He doesn't seem to know the game almost. It's just very little confidence in him. And there have been some scathing reports, especially one from CBS, which kind of destroyed him. Um, I'm trying to remember. I mean, in Houston, the Texans, basically the worst team in football, defeated Jacksonville 37 to 21. That was an embarrassing loss. The Texans were up 27 to 7 in the second quarter. So I... We've seen so many times these college coaches come to the NFL and just struggle. I think Urban Meyer is maybe the next Chip Kelly. I'm trying not to overreact to week one, but it's throughout training camp. I tried to sort of like tune that out. Maybe it's just buzz, but it has looked bad. And furthermore, let's talk about how Urban Meyer didn't use James Robinson, one of the best running backs in the league last year, opting instead for Carlos Hyde, who is solid, but not nearly as talented. James Robinson had five attempts last week. Carlos Hyde had nine attempts and two receptions. So Carlos Hyde was the lead back here over James Robinson. Yes, a UDFA, but Meyer never gave this guy a chance to get going. He had three catches, but he was still outtouched by Carlos Hyde. Five attempts for 25 yards, three receptions for 29 yards. He was good with what he had, but he just never got a chance. And when you don't, I mean, this is a guy, James Robinson, a physical running back, who if you give him the ball throughout the drive, he can take you down the field. That's the way you've got to use him as a guy who will stay in for an entire drive. He never got a chance to get going. I don't like how this team is being run. I didn't like the Travis Etienne pick in the first round. I thought Trevor Lawrence didn't play too well. I think he'll be fine, but it's just a lot of, question marks with this Jags team and I think Urban Meyer could have been a bad hire we could see this Jaguars team in the market for maybe Eric Bieniemy of the Chiefs as soon as I don't know this offseason could he be a one and done we'll see I mean there's definitely options for guys to replace him Debo Samuel goes off wide receiver three on the week well, Brandon Ayuk is held scoreless. And after the game, reports came out about he how he's uh, is still learning how to be a pro. 
and that he kind of tailed off in training camp. Part of this might be due to his hamstring injury, but that's really, really concerning to me. He's a first-round wide receiver, and yes, he played really well last year, but to hear that he tailed off, at the, I hear about how he tailed off at training camp and then gets a goose egg. While Debo Samuel is your top three receiver, who's supposed to, supposedly the gadget guy, it's not, not encouraging. And I don't think you can start Brandon Ayuk until we get further clarity on this. Don't drop him over one week, obviously. He's a good player, but he is unstartable until we get some more info. This is, uh, I mean, I gave Chris a victory lap on his Jameis Winston pick. Brandon Ayuk will be a top 15 receiver. Um, I don't know about that one anymore. <laughs> We'll see. Don't want to overreact to week one, though. Corey Davis put up a big week despite an up-and-down performance from Zach Wilson. I think if you had Zach Wilson and had to start him, you actually weren't too disappointed because he actually did give you a decent amount of fantasy points later on. Uh, Wilson, 20 for 37 for 258 yards, two passing touchdowns, and an interception, and he ran a two-point conversion in as well. Not terrible, but he was terrible in the first half started off like two for nine with an interception but Corey Davis caught both of his touchdowns this was good to see this Corey Davis is going to be Zach Wilson's reliable guy I think Elijah Moore has a lot of upside but I think I definitely like and I definitely thought that Elijah Moore there was a chance that he becomes the one in this offense right away but I think it'll take time and that I still think Corey Davis is the better receiver here for the time being for fantasy football he was just really really solid I think Corey Davis has now uh, he's been rising in my rankings for a little while. I feel like he's was flex worthy this week against Carolina and then really just did quite nicely. He can be started in as your wide receiver too. five cat targets or it's five catches on seven targets. The Jets scored 14 points, but he still did very well. So he can be as fine as your wide receiver two or flex. I'm very excited for Corey Davis this year. And um, yeah, I think he is, uh, he's the real deal. Um one more thing, speaking of like those later round wide receivers, Marvin Jones, nine targets, five catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown against Houston. Can I, uh, I don't, can I take a week one victory lap for that one? I had Marvin Jones as the best uh, fantasy football wide receiver in Jacksonville. And voila, he finished as the wide receiver 18 this week, although DJ Chark wasn't too far behind. So uh, I'll give myself some applause. All right. Anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, you should be excited for Marvin Jones this year. I'm very happy that he performed well. Uh, Kenny Galladay. Let's talk about one of my guys. Didn't wasn't great this week, but he was all right. Six targets, four receptions, 64 yards. He didn't play for much of training camp due to his hamstring injury. And he just didn't seem to have the connection with Daniel Jones yet. I think eventually Daniel Jones is going to have to get comfortable with lobbing the ball up to Kenny Galladay on down the field so that Galladay can just go and get it. And I think that will happen eventually. And I still think Kenny Galladay is the best receiver on this team, but Sterling Shepard did outperform him this week. And I think Sterling Shepard can still be that reliable guy for Daniel Jones. He's definitely a guy that I personally overlooked too much in the off season. I think we can establish and that the industry as a whole kind of overlooked. So he's a good ad in which we'll talk about in the waiver wire segment. So don't go buy low on Kenny Galladay though. He plays, um, I mean, he plays the football team this week. That's going to be tough, but I mean, they just did get beat by the chargers and uh, Herbert. And so, I mean, that could actually be, end up being a decent matchup for the giants. And then after that, they get the Falcons, saints, Cowboys, not too bad Rams. And then uh, Panthers and chiefs and Raiders. I, I just want to keep going, but you get the idea. Pretty solid schedule overall for Kenny Galladay. So go buy him low. 
Still think Kenny Galladay can be a top 12 receiver this year. Go get it. Kyle Pitts, unable to put up a big week for the Falcons. Eight targets, four receptions, 31 yards. Had a catch that was called back. Uh, this is, I've seen a lot of overreaction to Kyle Pitts about how, see, this is why he can't be a generational talent at tight end. I don't understand those overreactions. Everyone knows that Kyle Pitts is very talented. This Atlanta offense put up nine points. That is uncharacteristic. Matt Ryan will go get yards. And the fact that Kyle Pitts still had eight targets, he is going to be fine. Think about the other options on this team. Yes, Calvin Ridley is going to be good. But guess what Calvin Ridley had? Five receptions. Um, Think about Russell Gage, who is maybe the only challenger to Kyle Pitts other than Ridley. Goose egg, scoreless. Ridley and Pitts were the only two pass catchers who did anything. So there's no reason to be worried. This was just a bad week for this offense as a whole. But Kyle Pitts is going to get open. He's going to be a red zone threat. He's going to get those 20-yard chunk gains that will help you in point for first down leagues. And he's going to be great. I don't go buy Kyle Pitts low. If someone in your league is, um, I mean, fading him. I saw all season, the talk of you won't be able to buy Kyle Pitts low. Then after week one, we see this panic over what wasn't even a terrible game. Four catches for 31 yards is not awful for a tight end. And so go, go out and get Kyle Pitts. He's talented. He's very, very talented. And um, yeah, so he'll, he'll be all right. Uh, Jalen Hurts has a great week one performance on the other side of the ball. It was Philly blowing out Atlanta. Jalen Hurts was the quarterback six with 28.76 fantasy points. And it was fun to watch him this week. Uh, I, those points are in four, four point per passing touchdown leagues, by the way. But yeah, I mean, running the ball as well, passing it. He was, he had a career day and I think Jalen Hurts could end up being the franchise quarterback. The Eagles need Philadelphia has some reason to be optimistic. Their defense actually looked pretty stifling. I don't know if that was just a Falcons offense or their defense, but it looked good. And yeah, Hurts looked good. And Devonte Smith looked like his go-to guy. That was nice. DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams both put up top five running back performances against San Francisco. This was not something that was expected. We weren't sure if Swift was going to be a full go. They said Swift might not be like as relied upon. And then he ended up basically being a full go. Jamal Williams was the RB4. Swift was the RB5. Although I think Swift was higher in full PPR, but in half PPR was Jamal. So I actually, I guess, gained like 0.6 by benching Swift for Williams in the Dynasty League, but not in SFB, which is unfortunate. But I'm still going to win, it looks like. So happy about that. But Swift, I think Swift is going to be the guy going forward. I We saw a lot of Jamal Williams today. Jamal Williams is a good running back. But when they need a score in the red zone, it's going to be Swift. When they need a pass catcher, it's going to be Swift. When they need a between-the-tackles guy, when they really need a guy, it's going to be Swift. And that's all that matters. He'll be the two-minute guy. I mean, maybe Jamal Williams will get it sometimes in lower-pressure situations. but uh, And Jamal Williams will certainly get some touches. He proved that he can have flex-worthy weeks at times. But that doesn't necessarily hurt DeAndre Swift. In fact, that could even help his efficiency. So I'm still excited for DeAndre Swift this year. Uh, he had a good week. Very, very nice. Joe Mixon finishes the, as the overall RB2 on the week. He had a massive workload. I haven't seen this talked about that much. He only was 0.2 behind Christian McCaffrey, who <laughs> was the RB1 this week without scoring a touchdown. I mean, this guy, if you wanted proof that he's back, th- that was it. Joe Mixon had 33 touches, four receptions, a rushing touchdown, 127 rushing yards. And he was just like what you wanted him to be. Joe, um, it, it looks really good for him this year. Very good signs to be 
optimistic. I was excited for him. I actually, he was a guy who climbed my rankings once I got over the sour taste of his injuries from last year. He got briefly hurt in that game, but he came back and he was my RB 11. So pretty happy about that ranking already for Joe Mixon. Uh, Mark Ingram got 26 carries for only 85 yards and finished as the RB 15 on the week. Philip Lindsay had eight carries for 25 yards and a touchdown for the Texans. Mark Ingram also scored a touchdown. This backfield is going to be a mess. I think that um, I, I think it's going to be Philip Lindsay at the end of the season. I think I'm going to stick by my stance that it's going to narrowly go to Philip Lindsay, but I kind of did talk about this and I don't know if I touched on it as well as I wanted to, but my thoughts on Mark Ingram were that David Culley their new head coach came from Baltimore, came from the Ravens. And one of his first signings was to go out and get Mark Ingram. So it's not surprising that Ingram is the starter here. I don't think he's as good as Philip Lindsay, but I think he will get more touches than Philip Lindsay for at least the first few games. So Philip Lindsay is a risky start. The Texans aren't going to score 37 points every week, stating the obvious. Mark Ingram isn't going to get 26 carries every week. In fact, I'd be slightly surprised if he even finishes with half of that next week. But, uh, he's yeah. So he's not a reliable starter. I think Philip Lindsay is a good by low right now. He wasn't too great in this game, but I have confidence in him. He's very good. Derek Henry struggles and blowout loss to the Cardinals. Henry had nine carries for eight yards in the first half of this game, then sort of came back for uh, eight carries for, I guess it was 49 yards. So he actually did well in the second half, but Derek Henry, man, really, really struggled. I didn't really get to watch Derek, like his, carries in that game so i'm not exactly i don't think he looked particularly slow i didn't hear anything about that but mm, it's really interesting i think he'll pick it back up he, we saw him get it together a little bit in the second half he'll be all right still start derrick henry maybe slightly concerning here but don't overreact to week one every guy has bad games at some point kyler murray deandre hopkins both absolutely went off against the titans looking at the other side of the football it was um, all positive news, all happiness on that side. And uh, overall, I mean, both of those guys just did really, really well. Kyler with 33.56 fantasy points and four point per passing touchdown leagues. DeAndre Hopkins had 23.3 and half PPR. And the team who had him in my league had 140 and paced the league in points and got a nice, easy win in week one. Uh, so yeah, Kyler and D hop is going to be a brutal connection. I may have underestimated D hop a little bit by ranking him as I think my wide receiver seven, that was just because I liked some guys ahead of him a little bit more. I didn't think DeAndre Hopkins was going to be bad. It was just, I still thought he was going to be elite, but it's possible. I underestimated him just a bit. Uh, so he's going to be good. DeAndre Hopkins, um, Aaron Rodgers busts. He was terrible this week. Devontae Adams got five catches for 56 yards, which just shows how great he is. Even when his quarterback is playing terrible and they score three points, he actually didn't do so bad. But let's talk Aaron Jones, who had five carries, five carries in this game. This was game, game script was against Aaron Jones here. He had five carries and seven touches. A.J. Dillon actually had five touches. He had four carries. There was just no running game in this because the – Packers lost 38-3. What are they supposed to do other than pass? And they just couldn't get anything going. They just didn't have a lot of time on offense. I'm not particular. I'm not particularly worried about any of these guys. This was a shocker right here. But again, don't overreact to week one is kind of the theme of this episode. Aaron Jones really, really had a bad game. And if I wasn't doing so well in Dynasty otherwise, I would have been very disappointed in him. Uh, but maybe some managers don't have the luxury of that because he was a high pick. But he'll be all right. You still start Aaron Jones. Jets running backs struggle to get going in the loss. 
Uh, Tevin Coleman, oh, Tevin Coleman did not play too well. Uh, he was the RB 53 on the week with nine carries for 24 yards. That was kind of a, a rude awakening. I mean, they'd only scored 14 points. The Jets were behind for most of the game. I still, and it still showed that Tevin Coleman was the starter. So I'm not like particularly, I never said to start him this week, but I do hope that he uh, gets better for the sake of my prediction. That is him of like an, a borderline RB3. He could still be good, still keep him. He's still worth an ad. And I think I actually have him in this wave wire section because he's still not owned in 40% of leagues. So he's a good stash for sure. So don't, don't get too worried about this. It's unfortunate, obviously sad violin, but you know, he'll, he'll, it's not like he was going to light the world on fire or anything, but I think he'll get better than what he did last week. Let's talk waiver wire. All right. Last segment of the day, waiver wire. These are guys that are owned in 40% or less of ESPN leagues. Let's talk about the number one waiver wire ad this week. Guys, it's Elijah Mitchell. The number one waiver wire ad this week is a guy who was not owned in any redraft league, unless you're playing with super deep rosters. But this guy, he was the RB10 on the week. Like I talked about earlier, he doesn't have much competition other than Trey Sermon, who hasn't proven himself, and he was a healthy scratch last game. 19 carries for under four yards and a touchdown. It looks like, I mean, Kyle Shanahan's going to go with the hot hand. He could get written out of the game plan at some points, but I think Elijah Mitchell has established himself as the starter in this backfield for now. Definitely more of a short-term ad as Jeff Wilson returns, most of it returns later in the season, but he can get you quite a few weeks for sure. There's still plenty of time for Elijah Mitchell to get you plenty of good fantasy weeks and establish himself. Uh, second ad, Mark Ingram. I mean, that workload was ridiculous. You've got to add him based on the workload. I think it might go away again a little bit later in the season and in future weeks when the Texans are losing and he gets game scripted out. But Mark Ingram with 26 touches, you've got to have him on your roster if he's not, if he's still available. Tevin Coleman, go add him. Like I said, he's still the starter there. He got the majority of the work at running back, but just an unfortunate week for him. Sterling Shepard, he's my number four. By the way, these are in order. I did rank them. Uh, he's going to be good. He got a lot of targets. He's going to be the safe, reliable option, uh, I believe, for Daniel Jones. And he was the Sterling Shepard. I'm trying to find where he actually finished for fantasy this week. Oh, he was the wide receiver, 10, 20.8 half PPR points. So nine targets, seven receptions, 113 yards and touchdown. So yeah, he was great. So he's definitely worth an ad. Uh, maybe over some of those running backs. If you, I'm just assuming that teams need running backs more than wide receivers because wide receivers are so much deeper, but Sterling Shepard could easily be the number one waiver wire ad this week. Number five, Jared Cook. I'm happy about this one. Cook was my, my big late round tight end target this off season. He had five receptions for 56 yards this week. I don't understand what the hype was about, about Donald Parham. He's had plenty of time to prove himself. And against uh, Jared Cook's matchup is great this week. He's playing Dallas. Go get Jared Cook in your lineups, to be honest. He is a nice little streaming start. And in a year where there's really not breakout tight ends that I'm excited about, I mean, Jared Cook is the, the number one option easily at tight end on the waiver wire. If you need a tight end, go spend some fab on him. I would be fine spending like, I don't know, like 40%, maybe even 50% of your fab on Jared Cook. I think you'll be able to get him at that price. Just try to gauge what your league mates are doing. But I would be very happy going aggressive with him. And I actually drafted him in two leagues anyway, so I don't even need to like worry about that because I already have him um, flex. But yeah, Jared Cook, go spend some of your fab on him. 
Uh, Jameis Winston, we saw it. That touchdown rate of 25% is going to go down, especially since the NFL average is like 4%. Uh, but he'll also throw for more than 148 yards in the future. So he's going to be good. Go pick him up, and he'll air the ball out. So worth a stash. Last guy, Rondale Moore. Rookie, as a rookie, five targets, four receptions. He actually did pretty well. There's an argument for him to be ahead of Jameis Winston. He's a good stash. We know A.J. Green and Christian Kirk are there, and the 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 Cardinals are not going to score 38 points every week, but they are going to – they're going to at least be able to put up consistent offense, I think, especially with Kyler Murray running this offense. Rondell Moore is worth a stash, and late in the season, he could end up being a really good breakout. That's it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, everyone, Follow uh, to for tuning in. Uh, if you're new to the show, I hope you enjoyed. Follow on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod um, is the podcast Twitter for updates. Follow the uh, YouTube show on Twitter at SG sports talk. Appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. Um, and I'm excited to be back on Thursday feeling good. So thank you for listening, everyone. And I'll see you next time.